Hey, smart mamas. Welcome to the Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups podcast, a podcast about balancing mom life and work life and everything in between. Being a mama is a hard job. We are three nurse anesthetists reaching out to support and encourage other moms with hectic and chaotic lives. I want to be a nurse anesthetist. No topics are off limits. Relationships, finance, mental health, work. And we aren't sugarcoating anything. No way, or way. This is real life, real moms, real advice. And we want this to be interactive. We want to hear from you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, welcome back to Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we are so thankful for all of our listeners. And we're so thankful that we're able to bring you so much good content with other moms and parents who are in the working field, especially in the medical field. And so with that today, we have uh, Francie. She's a wife, a mom. She's a CRNA. And she's going to share her story about how her life with her twin boys has been a little different than they had anticipated, but how amazing of a journey it has become. So Francie, thank you so much for hopping on with us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit, first of all, how old are your boys? And tell us a little bit about when you started trying for babies. Was this planned? Was it not? How you ended up with twins? Stuff like that. Sure. So my twin boys, they're fraternal twins. They are 18 months, almost 19 months old. My husband and I got married in 2017 and we decided we wanted to have kids a few years later. And uh, it just seemed like it was taking a little bit longer than normal. So we decided that I would reach out to one of the fertility doctors that I work with. And lo and behold, long story short, we had to go through IVF. And um, we did that and we were very successful. Our first transfer of two embryos worked, both took, hence the twin boys. (laughs) So you did one round of IVF and you found out you were pregnant with twins. Yes. Did you like die? Like, or were you excited to have twins? So they told us we would have, let's see, they increased the likelihood by just a little bit that we would get, I would be pregnant if we put, implanted two embryos. So we decided at the last minute we were going to do two. Originally, the whole time we had said we'd just do one. We, I did not think that both would take. I really thought, surely one will take. We have a higher likelihood. Let's just go for it. So each well, embryo took. It wasn't yeah. one that split. It was each one. Yeah, they're fraternal. So two separate embryos. There was no splitting. They're not identical. They are absolutely fraternal. And yeah, we, uh, let's see, well, how did that happen? So we, I went in to have my HCG drawn and it was very, very elevated. At that point, I knew that there could be two in here. Well, at our 12-week scan, lo and behold, I saw two little heartbeats and my husband was not with me. He was out of town at the time. <laughs> So I left the appointment and called him and told him, you're not going to believe it. And he said, it's twins, isn't it? And I said, it is twins. So you didn't even find out till 12 weeks? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Quite quite crazy. Mm -hmm. My, just side note, my girlfriend, she's my age and she had uh, a three-year-old or two, two, almost three-year-old. 
and she wanted to have one more and um, no twins in the family. She texts me right around 12, 13 weeks. And she's like, the text, it's fucking twins, period. And I called her and I was like, okay, like you're messing with me. Like you're, there's no way, like it's, that's not possible. And she still saved the voicemail that I sent her. Cause I'm just like a lunatic on the other end. Like I cannot even imagine hearing that news. Yeah. You know, I say 12 weeks, it could have been like eight weeks. Everything's a little blurry now. Uh-huh. I hear you. <laughs> like now that you say that I'm thinking maybe it was a little earlier, but it definitely wasn't like very quickly that we learned that it was twins. It, I definitely carried them for just a few weeks, a few months before we knew the exact answer. But yeah, I kind of felt like when I left that ultrasound and my husband wasn't with me, I thought I was about to pass out. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I cannot even. My friend told me I died. Like, I wish maybe I'll see if I can have her send me the voicemail and maybe we can play it at the end of this podcast because I'm like a hot ass mess. Okay. So you found out you were having twins. Twins. And I had the best pregnancy. It was very uneventful. I was really tired. Um, I worked full time, taking call 40 hours. We were really busy. And there was really nothing that was remarkably different from any other pregnancy, I'm assuming. It was my first time being pregnant, so I don't know of anything different, but everything felt very typical and very normal. So you, how many weeks did you carry them to? So I carried them to 37 weeks. I had a scheduled section at 37, right on the nose. Okay. So that's pretty good with twins, 37 weeks. So you went in for your scheduled C-section. How did the actual delivery go? Well, you know, so I guess I probably could rewind a little bit. So at 33 weeks, I was at maternal fetal medicine. My awesome OB group sent me there just because scanning twins is a little bit different. And um, they kind of felt like maybe I should just stay with maternal fetal medicine for that portion. So I did that. And um, at 33 weeks, we went in. And in fact, my husband came with me. This was prior to COVID. And um, my mother-in-law came too. She wanted to listen to their heartbeats and see him on the screen. And we were very much, we love that she wanted to do that. So we were sitting in the appointment and everything was going very normally. The sonographer was scanning and obviously started with baby A and noticed that he, gosh, I looked up at the screen and I thought, that's weird. He had that typical double bubble, which you read about in your old nursing books, duodenal or duodenal atresia. But I kind of ignored it. And my husband said, what is that? And I said, I don't really know. And I looked over and the sonographer was like, I need to step out for a minute. Hmm. So she left and I looked at my husband and my mother-in-law and said, something's really wrong. We had had all our previous genetic screening. Everything had been, as we like to say, quote unquote, normal. So I didn't really think twice about anything. And sure enough, one of the maternal fetal medicine docs came in and explained that it was duodenal atresia, as I like to say, or duodenal. And that that was associated with Down syndrome, which really just shook me to my core because very unexpected. Everything had gone so well the whole pregnancy. We did IVF. It just, the, it didn't work out in my mind. However, he quoted us a 1% chance. 1%. 
So we left that appointment feeling okay. We really honestly thought it was an isolated event because that does happen too. Um, Some babies do need a surgery after delivery and they're very much quote unquote normal babies to repair duodenal atresia, but it is also highly associated with Down syndrome. So 33 weeks, I go out on maternity leave or bed rest. And I sat around for four weeks waiting on my babies to be born. We decided at 37 weeks, they were growing really well. Everything looked good. Baby A, who had duodenal atresia, was measuring small. And that's all we really knew. No heart issues, nothing else that really looked surprising. 37 weeks, I have my section and deliver these two beautiful little boys. And I look at baby A and I definitely knew at that moment that he did have Down syndrome. Nobody would confirm it in the room, but I just knew comparing him to baby B, he looked different. And also I think being in healthcare, I've seen children with Down syndrome. I kind of knew in my mind that that's what was occurring. Nobody would actually acknowledge that. And looking back, I think that was probably for the best, but it was quite an eventful delivery. Did your husband know too? Like when you realized it, did you tell him or did you just kind of keep it all? You know, going into the section, we kind of thought here, here we are. We've been given a 1% chance he could have Down syndrome. If he does, he does. If he doesn't, he doesn't. That's kind of where we were. And when I looked at him and I looked at my husband and I said, he has Down syndrome. I just remember whispering it. And I knew all these people doing my uh, anesthesia and the OBs. And I don't know why. I just, I was whispering to him and he just looked at me and he said, it's okay. He's okay. He never said, I think he does. I think he doesn't. He just said, it's going to be okay. And so I delivered both boys and we knew kind of the plan was baby A would go to the NICU where he would get worked up. Everything would be evaluated because he would have to go for surgery to repair the duodenal atresia the following day. So we knew he would basically kind of be rushed out of the OR and um, he was, and my husband went with him to the NICU. I stayed back. Um, They finished closing me and... I came out to the recovery room and my husband was out there and definitely a little somber. And I said, what's wrong? Oh girl, you're getting me. Yeah. Take your time. Yeah. And he said, I think he does have Down syndrome. And golly, it just came at me with such a surprise. Even though I knew everything up until that point, I just, I was still shocked, you know, I'm, I work in a healthcare field, I believe in science. And this kind of like, it struck me really hardly because I just didn't, I believe so much that every, I trusted everything I was told and I believe in numbers and, you know, he defied all those odds. He, we got a 1% chance and there he was. So that was really hard. I, it just, I think my husband took it better than I did in the immediate moment, but he was very, I I just knew when I saw him, something wasn't right. So he did confirm that. And he said, I think, but we don't have the blood work back yet. They drew a bunch of blood work and they were going to send it off to have the true results. But that was, uh, that was hard. That was hard. 
Yeah. I, even with all the preparation, like even if they told you it was a hundred percent chance, I yeah. feel like it still would have been difficult, you know, just knowing like that they're, I mean, not that any child when they're born, you know what their path is going to be like because they could look quote unquote completely normal. normal and then could have like a million other things come up later. But I think just like seeing it makes it very real. So that's going to be really challenging. Is your husband in medicine too? He's not. He is the furthest thing from medicine. Um, he's in sales. Okay. And uh, he's very much, very well-spoken, very much a people pleaser, just very level-headed. Yeah. Uh, he actually followed little baby A. He's also, his name is Hall. I should refer to him as Hall. That is his given name. And he followed Hall to the NICU and... um was in there while the neonatologist was assessing him. And I think there was a little bit of a concern, but I think the neonatologist honestly believed everything looked okay. And then I think Little Hall stuck his tongue out or did something that kind of spurred my husband, who is also named Hall. We call him Big Hall. Um, He just asked the neonatologist immediately, does he have Down syndrome? And the neonatologist said, I think I need to go talk to your wife. So, my husband was the first one to really just matter of factly ask the question. And very much at that point, I think everyone knew in that room that he had Down syndrome and that they needed to come and talk to me and share the news. Yeah. Okay. So, you come home with two babies, which is coming home with one baby is bad enough. Coming home with two babies is crazy. Coming home with two babies with now a diagnosis you weren't necessarily prepared for 100%. How was it for you transitioning? Like, and how were they comparatively, like, as babies, were they pretty much like across the board the same with the eating, sleeping, craziness? You know, I've heard no twins are the same no matter what. So, I I have to believe that. So, little Hall, Hall stayed in the NICU for, eight weeks he was there and they were born on March 19th of 2020. So at the beginning of the pandemic, Mm, yeah, Hall was there for eight weeks and we could only have one adult visitor a day, one parent a day. So every day I would go or one day I would go and the following day, my husband would go. And so we flip flopped and there were definitely days that I could not go that he went it was a blessing and a curse having twins in a pandemic. I think that it allowed us to be home more together as a family unit. My husband was able to work from home, which was great. He's never done that before. So it was really just a really surreal time. We had one child at home and one in the NICU who also had all sorts of other needs. And we were just basically like strangers in the night going back and forth. It was a really rough time. Um, Hull had a G-tube placed while he was in the NICU. So after his NICU graduation and he came home, he uh, had G-tube feeds that we would run all night long. So every four hours we'd get up and replenish the formula. And wow, we were laughing the other day. That was a really, I don't even remember it. It was so rough. We, uh, I don't know how we did it, but we did somehow. So they were, they couldn't have been more different. I, we laugh now they're fraternal twins. They don't look anything alike. They're nothing alike. They're totally opposite in every way, but they are also, they were the best babies and they definitely were troopers through our, the parenting beginnings. Yeah, really. I feel like you both probably learned on each other, huh? 
Yeah. I mean, becoming a mom for the first time is really, really hard with one baby. Yeah. And then with two, but two, you know, one in the NICU for eight weeks. So your time and your heart is split in two places. And then now you have to adapt to taking care of a quote unquote normal baby and then adapting to the other baby's needs. I mean, that's a lot. Like, how did you, like you said, you know, you got through it. You don't know how, like, how did you get through it? Like looking back, what do you think? Looking back, I feel like I was hit by a Mack truck almost. I mean, I feel like for weeks I was just going through the motions. I couldn't even really process everything. I remember people would text me and I just, I would just like throw my phone away and just, I I don't even, I honestly, looking back, I don't even know how I got through that. I don't know. My husband and I, we laugh about it now, but it's so not laughable because it was just really, it was hard. It was like tremendously painful. Yeah. Do you think you had any postpartum issues on top or you think it was just... I think mine, for me personally, I think I was very much depressed just with everything that happened. So not only did I have a twin who had an unexpected diagnosis, I, um, <laughs> I'm sitting in recovery. I'm learning that my son has Down syndrome and I feel all of a sudden very woozy. I think okay, something is not right. And I look at my best friend who's doing my anesthesia and I said, just give me the Versa. I know something is about to happen. Well, sure enough, I was, um, my uterus was not contracting like it should. So I went back for emergency surgery, was told I was going to have a hysterectomy. Oh my God. Did you have one? I did not. Oh, good. Three out, I think it was about three hours. I was in the OR and a bunch of different surgeons scrubbed in. And basically they did all these different, like a bee lynch, all sorts of stuff. Nothing really worked. They ended up just holding pressure for hours. Wow. That's dedication right there. You don't see that very often. No. no. So grateful. I work with some really great doctors and surgeons and the OB group that I see is amazing. And I'm grateful because I went to sleep. They put me under anesthesia knowing that I have a child that probably has Down syndrome. That's going through my mind. And then they're telling me, um, you're probably going to have a hysterectomy. Wow. I just remember looking up and saying, just do whatever you need to do. So I woke up after that and asked if I had a hysterectomy. They told me no. And I asked in the operating room, does Hall have Down syndrome? And my very dear friend looked at me and said, we think so. And it just opened up the floodgates again. You know, they've been opened right when I got to recovery after my section again. Yeah. You had quite the road just delivering. Yeah, it was not good. Not at all. It was not a good delivery. That's crazy. So as they've been growing up, how are they together? Do they like, do they have the typical sibling rivalry now at 19 months? What are they like? Do they like each other? Do they not? Is it day to day? (laughs) They do. They are the sweetest. I was so worried that when we brought Little Hall home that it would change a dynamic. And honestly, it just really felt like that was just what we needed when he came. It was so sweet. They Right when we brought him home, they nuzzled up by each other. And man, they were so content. We had um, baby B, our Barrett. He was home with us for eight weeks alone. And he was quite a handful. He had um, 
severe colic and just would not stop screaming. He would scream all day and all night long. When we brought Hall home, it was like, I don't even know how to describe it. Barrett's whole demeanor changed drastically. Oh, he, he missed, missed his brother. Missed his brother. I, and I, if someone told me that, I would think they were crazy, but golly, it was crazy how they really, it was just instant. Yeah. He was probably like, where's my friend that I spent all that time with? That I've been with for where's my roommate? They, they are really wonderful together. It, they couldn't be more opposite in every way. They look different. They're, Barrett is really tall and a big boy and Hall is quite a typical size, a little smaller with his stature. Um, but golly, Barrett loves his brother so much. And anytime anybody comes to our house that says, coming for the first time, Barrett points at little Hall and says, Bubba, Bubba, uh-huh. that's my brother. Don't you mess with him. <laughs> they have the best that's relationship. Awesome. It's really, it's really amazing. Do they share a room? They do. They sleep in um, two separate cribs, but they're in the room together. They've been in the room since Hall came home and they'll probably stay in the same room together for as long as they can handle it. And as long as they sleep through the night. I love that little Hall has this big brother. That's just like, that's my boy. I've got his back. Don't mess with him. It's amazing. But one day Hall is going to have his back. I have a feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I think that goes both ways for sure. Yeah. Did you see the picture, Ellen? They're the cutest damn family. No, but, where is this picture? Oh my gosh, no, it's, an, it's in a <laughs> um, It is? Yeah. I'm looking at it. Barrett, Barrett right? He's, Barrett, yeah. He's like a little linebacker. Like, he'll take you out. What oh, you- I see it. I didn't click on the second one. I only saw the one of Francie. Oh my gosh, how? Aren't they the cutest Thank family? Cute. Oh my goodness, they're both such hams. We, I'm really tall. I'm 5'10". My husband's 6'8". Like, we're not little Whoa. people. Whoa. <laughs> so when they were born, Hall weighed 5'15", and Barrett was 8'1". And I just remember, Barrett is baby B, which is hysterical. Like, Hall is the older brother by two minutes. And um, when Barrett came out, one of my favorite OBs, she looked over the drape and she was like... He's really big. <laughs> Eight oh. pounds. I mean, one baby. Mine was six six, fully, you know, thirty nine in two days, like full development. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I, I was like, if I ever had another one, which I don't even know, but I'm like, that baby's probably going to be like ten pounds. Totally. Yeah. I mean, twin that's eight one. That's unheard of. So he was not. Yeah. Little. No, he definitely made his presence known. That's for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. So what is, what is uh, childcare like for you right now? What are you guys doing? So interestingly enough, we had, man, I was leaving the NICU. So originally the whole plan was they were going to go to the hospital daycare. We have a great daycare at our hospital and that was our plan. Had everything gone smoothly. Well, I'm leaving the NICU one day and my phone is ringing and it's one of these, my favorite residents I've ever worked with calling me. And I thought, why is he calling me? so weird. Well, I answered the phone and I said, Hey, what's going on? And he said, I've heard what's happened. And I need to talk to you about something. I've got a nanny who is amazing. Worked with my twins when they were 26 weeks. They were born at 26 weeks. Um, and she's been with us for the last three years, but we're moving. Would you be interested? And I said, Oh my gosh, I've got to get home and talk to my husband. But yes, definitely. 
So we had this wonderful nanny named Rhonda for the last year. She was with them their first year of life and she was amazing. The plan was this year, starting in August, they were going to go to school two days a week and then have a part-time help come in and help us. Well, COVID kind of threw that plan out the window. And um, so now we have a new nanny. She's amazing. She's a recent college grad. And wow, she um, is very much comfortable with Hall, which is amazing. And she's been like a little missing puzzle piece of our household. So sounds like you got the nanny lottery. We hear so many like horror stories. Well, I was a little worried. I mean, I was like, this all happened way too easily. But they have, I tell you, we couldn't have gotten through that first year without our first nanny. She was amazing. Like, I just don't think I could have made it without her. And our new nanny now is just wonderful too. They have been phenomenal. Yeah. And are the boys both busy right now? Like, what do they do for fun? What is their lifestyle like? What do they, are they both like the same in terms of like eating and, you know, preferences? Surprise, surprise. After you saw that picture of Barrett. No, Barrett likes to eat anything. He's not picky. He'll eat whatever you put in front of him. Hall is my picky eater. We have recently had it, well, a Gosh, back in May, we had his G-tube removed. And so we've been really pushing calories with him. And he is not, he doesn't like to eat nearly as much as Barrett. So no, they eat very differently. Barrett is walking, running, moving. Hall is just taking a few steps. Um, He was just fitted for some orthotics and... He's doing really, really well. Yeah, he's um, doing great. He's You said he's 19 months? Yeah. He's not very fi- far, quote unquote, behind. Like I, many people's kids don't even walk till they're 15, 16 months, you know? 18. My kid was 18 months when she yeah. started. Yeah, he's doing great. Yeah, I know. I'm really pleased. You know, I think Barrett is who to credit for that. I think that Paul oh, having a twin brother who he sees every day, mm-hmm. all sorts of activities. I think that that is pushing him a little bit mm-hmm. more than if Hall were a singleton. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. really it in that sense. Yeah, I think he'd be babied more too, and like you know, coddled more. But now I feel like it's crazy because it's kind of like you know, being the second baby, they try to keep up. No matter what, your second one's going to be a crazy one because they try to keep up. They do everything faster, sooner. They got to keep up with the big brother um, or big sister. So I, it's that's great. That that just shows yeah. you like with kids, the more you challenge them, the higher they'll fly. Absolutely. You know, versus holding them back. Definitely challenged a lot. So how are you doing now that, you know, you're, you, this is your life now. You're, you know, in it, you're used to it. You're getting in a routine how do you feel about the situation you have now? Sure. So I'd say that first year was just rough. Let's see. They were born during COVID. We were totally isolated. I took extra time off of work. So I had three months of maternity leave and I begged for extra time off just because of everything that had happened. And um, they were so gracious and gave me another three months. Nice. leave. So I had six months off which was great. I'd say those six months were really bad. I think I knew that I couldn't go back and really fully focus on work. I just, emotionally, it was just very heavy, but I'd say it's something weird. I don't, I don't know when the day was. I I actually do. (laughs) 
Hall got discharged from the NICU and about a month later he had, so that was, he would have been about 12 weeks then. He was really sick and lethargic at home. And um, I remember loading him up in the car and man, he just looked at me like, love me, just love me. And I don't know, it just, his eyes, he's pretty, he's the most beautiful eyes. I thought, okay, I've got to give him a hundred percent and I've got to do everything I can do for him. The first four weeks that we had him home were just really rocky and I was not bonding with him. I just, I really couldn't accept what had happened. But man, I got him in the car to load him up to take him to the ER. And I thought, oh my gosh, what have I done? So we spent two days in the hospital. He had intercolitis. And um, that was a lot of snuggling. And just, I got home and I thought, we've got to figure out how, I have to figure out how I'm going to be okay with this and move forward. So with a lot of help from a lot of different things, I had a, I have a life coach that I love who has really coached me through a lot. Year one, man, they hit 12 months and it was like, I, I can't imagine it any differently. If you guys have gone through any kind of like therapy or life coach, like you said. Yeah. So like I have a life coach that I've seen for years who I love and, um, I just called her after everything happened. We had kind of drifted apart. She's in Augusta and um, she really helped coach me through some stuff. She always continues to check in on me. I, we're not in, we haven't ever done therapy since Hall's arrival, but I just, I think that what has happened is it's become just our normal. Yeah. I remember one of the neonatologists looked at me and he said, Francie, I know right now you just can't imagine it. But I promise you, this is going to be your new normal and this is your life and it's going to be okay. And I just remember looking at him thinking, this is like two weeks postpartum. I yeah, thought, like, what do you know? Who are you talking to me? You're a male and you're telling me this and I just can't even, you don't even know what I've been through. Golly, I, looking back now, I think he was so right. That was such a pivotal time because he really held our hands through those eight weeks and did tell us, you know, life's going to be really different than what you thought. And it sure is. It's so different, but it is so, there's so much beauty to be found with yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And different doesn't mean worse. Any different. I really can't. I, I love him so much and I'm so proud of him. The pain of his delivery, basically birth diagnosis, I think is, truly one of the hardest things I've ever been through. And it probably will be. And I do think there's always going to be a little bit of a, not a sadness, just a little bit of a feeling of ooh, yucky. Yeah. yeah. It's mainly probably because you want the best for him, right? It's, it has nothing to do with you. It's just, you want him to have the best and be the best and not struggle. I do. I want, I just want the best for him. And I mm-hmm. want to give him every opportunity to achieve that. Mm-hmm. And I think that had I have known at that delivery, what I know now, it makes me sad to think of the girl that I was then. If I could go back and tell myself, listen, he is amazing. 
you're going to love him so much. I just wish maybe I had known that, but I don't know if someone had told me that I probably would have rolled my eyes at that. Yeah. Gosh, but I, I do wish I could go back and tell her it's going to be okay. It really is. Yeah. Amazing. So it's a grieving process. You had to go through the shock of the diagnosis and then you had to accept it. You had to grieve the loss of the life you envisioned for your boys. You know, you had to go through all that process and then you couldn't bond with him. You know, you were dealing with a new baby at home, a baby in the NICU. I mean, you're bonding with the baby you have at home. So you have this, just all these obstacles, you know, it wasn't. I was like, I would go to the NICU and they'd be like, you need to pump. You're running low on breast milk. I'm like, I have no breast milk to give. <laughs> yeah, I was crazy. It's like you're a cow. Like you're just a machine. You just keep going. They'd, going they'd be like, here, here's the pump. You need to sit behind this drape and watch him while he sleeps and pump. And I was like, ah, oh. okay. And I'd like come out with like two CCs, like here, here's all I got. And they would kind of look at me like, this woman is not giving us enough breast milk. Oh my God. They're like the breast milk Nazis. And I hate to even say that, but I did. Cover some slack. I know, you know, I laugh now about it, but like, I just wasn't producing any breast milk. And Hindsight is twenty twenty. I've never done this before, but in a stressful situation, right. like no one is going to be able no. to drive, much less produce any kind of breast milk. Right. They actually say if you spook a cow, like their breast milk, their milk production goes down. So well, that's right. the same. Yeah, that's the same for humans. But you know, it's true what people say. Like you don't just go through something; you grow through something. So that's why you have this wisdom and knowledge now. And you're like, I wish I could look back and tell her that, but like you couldn't because you grew through this situation you gained all this. It's not something that you just like got, you know, you you such strides. About, like when you have kids, you're not like, I can't wait to have a child with special needs or as I like to say, special abilities. That's not a, like, it's not what you think of when you think of having kids. Right. It, like no one envisions that, but I also had not really been around any babies with Down syndrome before. That's never something I'd been exposed to. And I felt really like alone in that sense, especially receiving a birth diagnosis with, like I said before, science and everything. I, it just really took me by surprise. But shortly after I brought him home, I reached out to a few people just in, I'm in South Carolina, a few people that had either reached out to me or reached out to a family member and Gosh, that was so therapeutic for me just to hear some of these women say, it's going to be okay. Right now you're in the thick of it, but I promise you, you're going to look back when he's a year old and think, look how far we've come. And I definitely, I'm so grateful to those women who I did not know, but through a phone call, gosh, they were so instrumental to us and just really helped me through those first few weeks when he had, when he was home. So do you have like a crew now? Like, you know, at least for me, like, like, for example, I didn't know many people with breast cancer before, but sure. since it's like connected with a lot and I've got like this solid crew of people that have gone through the same thing I have. Do you have that kind of in your situation? I do. So interestingly enough, I've got a friend here in Greenville and actually two more now that have just recently moved here who um, have kids with Down syndrome. And 
her, let's see, the original friend, hers was, she knew before delivery. So she knew it about the 12 week genetic screening results that her son had Down syndrome. Um, I've got two others, one in Spartanburg, who's like 40 minutes away from here, who received a delivery diagnosis as well with the singleton, a precious little girl named Avery, who is just adorable. And she's very close in age with mine. So just amazing. And one other in Athens who has really, we've all just kind of connected and we try to get together every few months and it's really wild. I feel like we just have like a kindred spirit. Mm-hmm. We can all, we, we just get together and talk about things our kids are doing and different habits they might have. And that's been so nice to have them to text and talk to about therapies, toys, feeding, all the stuff. Yeah, it helps it's to have an aspect. Community. It's an aspect of your life that like no one else can connect to, unless you know what I mean. Unless they're absolutely going through it. So that's really good that you have that support yeah. and camaraderie. And if you had to share like some of your best, most trusted, most recommended resources for new moms going through this with our listeners, or for anybody who's looking to learn, what would they be? And we'll put them in the show notes. Oh, that's a great question. So there's a book by a girl named Kel Hampton called Bloom. And someone sent it to me shortly after Hall's, gosh, she was probably 12 weeks old when I started reading that. And man, that book was amazing. It is basically a love story of having a child with a birth diagnosis of Down syndrome and how everything has been transformed. That's amazing in the sense of like emotional support. Mm-hmm. There's some great Down syndrome associations. We have one for South Carolina. It is phenomenal. There's a few other books. I can't think of the names off the top of my head, but I can definitely send those to you. Yeah, that would be awesome. And where can our listeners find you, follow you, see your journey, your beautiful boys? Yeah, well, I do use Facebook, but not avidly. I am on Instagram. I think my name is FM Todd. I love to post stuff about my boys there. So I'd love for anybody to follow along or share their journey with unexpected diagnoses. That's something I'm really interested in hearing about. One of my dear friends here in Greenville, we have recently started a nonprofit called KIND. Stands for Kids Including and Nurturing Differences. And we are going into different schools to educate kids about inclusion and loving others and um, giving books to all the classrooms and just hoping that maybe we can make a difference in a few kids and just let them know that differences are okay. We've I been love having, I'm going to follow you right now. I know. I just did. I just followed you. Uh, yeah. We've been having those chats at home about differences and acceptance and kindness. And I don't really know if I'm going about it the right way. Do you know of anything that like people in like in my circumstance could read and kind of share with our kids? Sure. So I actually, um, I'll send you all my, our kind website. Uh, but we are, it's kind of the upstate.org. Okay. K-I-N-D of the upstate.org. And um, we have a whole list of inclusive books on there and differences. And we give a lot of talking points for parents, some resources there. I just think it's such a, kids are such sponges mm-hmm. and whatever we tell them or encourage them to do or en- encourage those conversations, I feel like they're just willing to listen and they want 
to be coached in the right direction. So that's kind of where my friend Caroline and I thought that there's such a need and a lack in our community and so many communities. So we've compiled a list of books and resources there and check it out. I think you'll find something. I love that. I mean, just this is so random. Just the other day, I was talking to my daughter and she's very into like, I guess, watching me like skincare and like doing, I'm always putting a serum on. It looks beautiful, by the way. Thank you. And I was, she was asking me about eye cream and I was telling her how to put it on. And I said, I do this and I dab it with my weakest finger, which is my ring finger. And she was telling me about her friend at school whose weakest finger is his extra pinky finger. And he has an extra pinky finger on each hand. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And we were talking about it. She's like, yeah. So he would use that, you know, to put his eye cream on. And, but I was like, she was speaking about it really well. And there was like no judgment. It was just facts. And, but I probably could have gone further with that, but I would love a resource to, to yeah, check. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank we you. are going to continue to add to that list. And, um, you know, we keep saying if we can just make a difference in like one child or one parent's life, really, that's all I hope to do. Just raise more awareness and encourage everyone to be kind. Oh, I love that. Wouldn't that change this whole world? Right? We need that right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, we'll make sure you go check out Francie's website, kindoftheupstate.org. We're going to link all this in the show notes and um, all these great references she gave us. If you want to check us out and follow Ellen and myself, we're on Instagram at Scrubcaps. And, no, we're not. We're on Instagram at Hey Smart Mamas. <laughs> we're on Facebook at Scrubcaps and Sippy Cups. And I am at STL underscore injector. Ellen is at Ellen Lawletta. Lacey is MIA tonight. She had a mom crisis. Husband uh-huh. had to work late and she's got three kids. So I get it. We're get praying it. for you, Lacey. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be okay. You make it uh, she is at, what is she at? Ms. Ms. Lacey Lynch or is she Ms. Lacey Lee? Lacey, we can't keep track of you. You're all <laughs> Hang on, let's find it. This I think way. she's Lacey Lee. Do you think she's trying to escape us? She might be. Here she is. Ms. Lacey Lee. M-S-L-A-C-I-L-E-A. Yeah, check us out. And if you guys get a chance, head over to iTunes. Leave us a rate, a review, and subscribe. And uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Yeah. Thanks for hanging in with us. And we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, Francie. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.